baseball fans. Welcome to Heels in the Field, baseball talk with Jessica Caroli. I am uh, happy to be uh, still talking about this. Well, this is it. This is kind of the final um, uh, portion of our of the Heels in the Field uh, Women Baseball Writers Week which I have had two fantastic guests, Emily Memmons and Nicole Aslan, have uh, graced the show with their fabulous presence. And really, uh, the conversations have been phenomenal. Just so much fun. I've learned a lot um, and enjoyed connecting uh, with these very uh, creative, minds you know and just it's um it's been a real treat for me and my plan (laughs) was to have um, a story up on the blog of my third and final interview with Joan Ryan author of the intangibles um which intangibles no the Unlocking the Science and Soul of Teen Chemistry. Uh, The plan didn't go quite... I kept listening to to bits of the interview and I thought, okay, I really just... I really just want to get this conversation on the air. Um, I didn't want to really cut anything. Um, Sometimes in the editing process, I feel like... um, a certain part of the personality of the interview gets lost, if that makes any sense. Um, and so as a writer, you're always trying to really capture that. Uh, the great thing about this new platform for me, <laughs> not for a million other people, but is that um, using my voice in a new way and allowing myself as a writer to do something very different with the process of the interview Um, you know the interview is is such an an interesting subject uh, on on its own because there's so many different um, aspects of doing a great interview and writing that all out is a totally other it's a complete other process so this new thing podcasting for this girl um, is uh I, I really want to learn more and, and find the moments, you know, the way that I find the moments in a, in a written story. And I just thought, you know, I'm pressed for time. Um, I really want to do this in a certain amount of time. And I keep just the certain aspects of the interview. I just feel like this should be on the air. Um, and I every time I went to sort of write a lead and um, – to reshape the story around the quotes and do this and that. I just, it didn't work. And so, Joan Ryan (laughs) is my guest on this episode. We talk about um, the book, of course, but we talk about that fascinating um, idea in baseball, which is that chemistry... It is a real thing to 
a lot of players and managers and coaches and, um, you know I, I imagine scouting you know there as many scouts as I've talked to they talk a lot about how a guy got along with his teammates um, and the community and just with others in general it's a big deal and so um, when I w- began reading this book, I, I was wondering, is this, are we going, is there going to be sort of definitive proof that um, chemistry is a real thing, or is it really kind of left up to, um, to the reader? I will let you find that out for yourself, <laughs> either listening to this interview, reading the book, that is certainly me encouraging you there. Um, or both. Do both. Get the book. Listen to this interview. And, um, and enjoy this fascinating conversation with the award-winning uh, um, veteran sports writer that she is. Uh, here we go. My conversation with Joan Ryan. So when you finish the book, um, this is the part that always gets me. When I finish a project, I've, I've written one, I've written an ebook, and um, at the end of that or any big writing project, um, when I've put in res- a lot of research, there's always elements that surprise me. I was curious if just when you finished the whole thing and you kind of not even finished the writing, but just when you were done researching and you talked to everyone you wanted to talk to and uh, you you looked through everything you wanted to look through. What surprised you the most? Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> what surprised me the most? Because it was it was a you know as, as you know like it was a ten year excuse me <coughs> excuse me um you know a ten year project. So throughout it all, there were things that surprised me, and you know I think one of the things that perhaps had the most impact on me Uh and kind of I knew some of this but going in-depth in the research was just how profoundly we human beings affect one another right you know that it's not just you know we affect how we think or you know our moods but like we literally affect each other's heart rate Mm -hmm. and metabolism Mm -hmm. and um you know blood flow even I mean that it was that team chemistry turned out to be, you know, a physiological construct mm-hmm. and not simply a psychological one, though surely it, it is that. Um, so that just had a huge impact on me. And, and certainly, you know, I look at all of my, you know, friendships and relationships um, really different now because I'm watching other people and I'm watching. Like, I'm observing the effect we're having on each other as we're having the con- conversation right. um, in, in person. And so, you know, what I realized is just, you know, studying team chemistry was basically studying human nature. Yeah. So it was like giving myself an entire course on, on human nature. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and still only scratching the surface, of course. 
um, Michael Lewis uh, just tells you straight out, uh, yeah. <laughs> team chemistry doesn't exist. Uh, were you trying to decide what you believed as you wrote and researched? Yes, in a way I was. I mean, I knew I was biased toward team chemistry, mm -hmm. right? Because I always assumed it was something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I sort of assumed it that this thing called team chemistry was kind of this camaraderie, you know, everybody joined forces, but I never thought about it very deeply. Mm -hmm. You know, I just kind of went along and made this assumption. And then, you know, when I went to that, the reunion of the, of the Giants in 2009, of their, their 20th reunion of that 1989 National League championship team, I, I walked around, you know, because I, it, it, I was just so struck by that how these guys, 20 years later, like just the tone of their voices and their the look in their eyes, you know, they still loved each other. And they still, you know, it was like there was a certain aliveness in them that you could almost tell was singular to being in that group. Mm -hmm. Like they were these guys just in this group. And, you know, driving home, that's when I started to think, well, what is this? And Michael Lewis, Michael Lewis's book had already come out. I'm a huge, huge Michael Lewis fan. Mm -hmm. You know, still, we'll read every, anything he writes. And, um, you know, driving home, I thought, okay, well, you know, let's think about this. You know, is team chemistry real? Right. And if it's real, then what is it? And can you measure it? And, you know, I soon discovered, no, you can't measure it with any yardstick we have today, but you could, what I did discover was that you could prove it scientifically. And okay. so, you know, then I was headlong and just loving all research, just, yeah. just yeah. devouring books and talking yeah. to scientists. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love talking to people in other fields like that and that in about sports, about baseball specifically, because mm -hmm. I just it's yeah. so, it adds such so many other elements to it. Um, Johnny Gomes' story is especially fascinating, of course. Um, oh, yeah. The trajectory of his life and his career, a um, lot of contradictory elements, but he's a a perfect example of a person who consistently shifts. The culture of the clubhouse he was mm -hmm. in um, was that a big quote-unquote case study realization for you? Well, it was, and I knew of Johnny Gomes because he is from Petaluma. Where do you live? Philly. <laughs> in Philly, okay. Yeah. So he lived in a town, you know, kind of a smallish sort of mm -hmm. rural-ish town north of San Francisco, mm -hmm. and so I knew of Johnny Gomes and I knew of his reputation. So I thought, okay, here's my, if there is a, such a thing as a super carrier of chemistry, you know, this guy is probably it. So, but what I was really surprised at, and I was, and this had been told to me, um, you know, sort of not, not off the record, but not for attribution, mm -hmm. the story of the 2013 um, Boston Red Sox, you know, in the World Series. And how much that team believed in Johnny Gomes, you know, a 242 career hitter who hadn't had a hit in the World Series. And they basically stage a mutiny. Mm -hmm. um, 
to get him in the lineup because he wasn't in the lineup for, for game four and, mm-hmm. and the Red Sox are behind two games to one if they mm-hmm. lose, right? Because they had three games to one and, you know, almost impossible, you know, to come back. Of course, you know, the Giants did <laughs> against uh, right. in 2012. Um, so when I saw that, I thought, my goodness, this is, it is so real. Mm-hmm. To the people who, for whom this matters, meaning that it was like this total placebo effect, and I think people misunderstand stand what placebo is, that it is an actual physiological reaction to a belief, right? right? Just like the yips, you know, right. in, mm-hmm. on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. And so to see, you know, Big Poppy and Dustin Pedroia and Jake Peavy and John Lester you know, all these giants of baseball who, you know, some people say, oh, God, they should know better. You know, this is just a myth. Well, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, they win that game and go on to win the World Series. Um, so to me, that was really an exploration in the physiological, psychological impact of belief. Right. And, it, yeah, so, yeah, so that that really blew me away that that had Right. We yeah. never, we never knew about that. Right. And then I confirmed it with, you know, other players in the clubhouse at the time. Yeah. It, yeah. It was such a great story. I was really um, enraptured when I was reading that that part. Um, uh, so let's talk about Aubrey Huff a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you did spend quality time with him, getting to yeah. know him and, and understanding him a bit, quite a bit. Um, yeah. I mean, with what was your takeaway being around him? What's your thoughts on his Twitter stuff? And yeah. Just well, to begin with, um, you know, in 2010 he comes in, and you know, I'm always going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Right. Now, but. I didn't know that much about him. I knew a little bit about his reputation, but, you know, okay. Um, and then when I got to know him, I really found, oh, my God, this guy's a, a conundrum. I mean, on the one hand, he was very charismatic and actually very bright, mm-hmm. you know, really well-spoken. I mean, the media just clamored around him because he was always a great quote, always a great quote. Yeah. And his teammates loved him. Now, for me as a woman and being around forever, you know, um, I wasn't a fan mm-hmm. of his. I didn't like how he behaved um, in the clubhouse. I mean, you know, I don't know how much you go into clubhouses, but... Uh, all the time. He, a lot. <laughs> say again? A lot. <laughs> a lot, right. So, you know, like now, you know, it's 2012, well, that was 2010, okay. But even in 2010, guys, when, the, when it was media going into the mm-hmm. clubhouses during that, you know, short time, maybe an hour, an hour and a half, um, before games, which is now, it's no longer, but, um, or even after games, he was the only guy I had seen in years who was walking through the clubhouse naked while the media was there. Uh, and I just thought, really? Like, where are you from? I mean, that is such a hick move, you know? Yeah. And, and even the other players were kind of rolling their eyes, you know, of course I was rolling my 
eyes first at them, and they'd roll their eyes back. Um, and then he, you know, he said some things to some women in the clubhouse that were really inappropriate. And mm-hmm. luckily, and you know, and you know, like mm-hmm. when you're a journalist, you can't you can't say anything. You're not going to complain. You're not gonna, you know, you maybe if it got bad enough, you know, you'd go to the manager if you knew him really well and said, hey, look, here's what's going on in there. You know, can you tell him to just knock it off? Um, but because I was now a consultant for the Giants, mm-hmm. I could go to Aubrey Huff myself right. and, Pat, and Pat Burrell, his right. wingman, yeah. um, <laughs> together. I don't know, did you cover Pat Burrell for the uh, your time? No, I did a, a little bit, uh, but mostly I was on assignment when I would do Philly stuff. Um, okay. So it was, it was really kind of, it just depended on who I needed to talk to. He wasn't someone that I really uh, ever needed for a story. Um, okay. He, he was okay to be around, but, I mean, it was – Yeah. We all knew how it was. <laughs> right, right. I mean, he's a decent guy. Yeah, yeah. But he's got issues, you know, yeah. with women. He just mm-hmm. does. And, and it's like, you know, so I was able to sit down with Aubrey Huff and says, you know, you and, and your buddy, you got to clean it up because, mm-hmm. believe me, this will get to the front office. And I'm just giving you a heads up that this team is different from other teams apparently you've been on, and that doesn't fly at all. And he's on a one-year contract in 2010, mm-hmm. as, as, as with Burroughs. So they cleaned it up. And that was one of the most satisfying moments <laughs> I've had in, uh, in sports because yeah. I, I could just do it myself <laughs> and shut it down. It was fabulous. But, yeah, and then – you know, so he really was a leader in that 2010 clubhouse in a very unusual way. Leadership comes in many forms. And he did definitely help that team. And, you know, the players loved him. And then, you know, he was never the same after that. Mm-hmm. He had all kinds of cones of issues. And his stuff on Twitter is just insane. And, you know, in a way my heart goes out to him because I think there's, you know, you know, I think he, he, he's grappling with a lot of things. Right. Yeah. so worried this isn't gonna I know I don't want it to cut out on me (laughs) okay so yeah so I um I responded to some of the things that he said and then I've sort of regretted it and blocked him and yeah you know I I feel like with guys like that, and I've gone through many, many, many things that I've talked about. Um, I didn't, for a long time, I didn't talk about this stuff, but guys like him in the clubhouse who um, who just don't, it doesn't matter how far into their careers they go and how old they get, they're still the same. And that, uh, I mean, I covered mostly minor league baseball in, in my career, um, but mm-hmm. I did a, any major league stuff that I did um, was it was always like there was a different expectation, and yet every clubhouse that I went into there was there was a jerk. There was a guy who, like Aubrey Huff or Pat Burrell or something, would just not be able to handle themselves. And yeah. they could really get away with it in a different way than the minor leagues. Mm. And um, and just with, with Aubrey Huff, I just feel like there's a lot of players who actually like the things he says. And um, a lot oh, of fans. absolutely. Yeah. And guys you don't expect. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that's <laughs> so disappointing. 
Yeah, so I, you know, it's funny to me how, I don't want to, it's almost impressive that he's that out there with it. Like, he just doesn't care. And a lot of players try and hide that side of themselves. And I've had players where, uh, you know, off the record, obviously, um, I'll just say, Shane Victorino was Mm -hmm. absolutely horrible to me. Really? Horrible. I've never met him. What did he do? Oh. Um, well, I'll just point out one thing of many. Um, told me to smile when I come in the clubhouse. Mm. Yeah. Goes, hey, you. When you come in here, I want you to smile. What'd you do? Laughed. Yeah, good. But it yeah. sucked because... There was a reporter standing there, and the media person, the person who you, you are, to that you know you in your, that form in that role with the Giants, the guy was standing there who's the media relations guy, and they're laughing, and it's like okay, I'll laugh too. He's a freaking jerk, you know, like right, really, right. wow, you know. And then as far as nudity, I mean, there was a towel dropper on the yeah. the Giants, I believe. A few years ago. Really? Yeah. Um, who was it? Let me remember who this idiot's name was. Um, oh, damn it. Let me get back to you on that because I'm forgetting what yeah, his. That's how forgettable I he really was. Know. He is now. He's now a high school coach. <laughs> he's now a high school coach. Yeah. Uh, he got well, arrested in his. Guys. He got arrested in his driveway. He said he hated the Phillies. What was that guy's name? Did he got play? arrested in his driveway? Yeah. He played, oh man, he played for the Marlins too. Maybe I'm, maybe it wasn't the Giants, but I feel like it was. Um, uh, darn it. I will. He played for the Marlins. Yeah. Uh, pitcher. And he hated the Phillies? He said publicly he hated the Phillies. Any reason? <laughs> no. No, he was just nuts. He was co- he was a complete psycho. <laughs> so. Oh, God, I don't remember the Giants having a complete psycho in the last ten years. Yeah, well, there you go. Maybe maybe I'm getting Huff. it. Yeah, I have to think about it. Um, yeah, but think about it. I'd be super curious. I will tell you out. the name once I once it comes to me because it will. Um, yeah. It wasn't Brian Wilson, right? No. <laughs> no. Okay. No. He was a psycho, but you know, like a a, a good psycho. A gentle giant. Yeah, except for after, you know, he, he did some really bizarre things, but, yes, you right. know, pretty harmless. Right, I gotcha. Um, okay, so in the end, do you feel you answered the question of is there team chemistry, la la la, or perhaps provided, as you said, you, you proved that it is a thing. Um, oh, yeah. There's a truth in the power of team chemistry and the absence of whatever we might define as team as as good chemistry so if it's not there however you might define it you you feel like you proved that it does have impact oh yeah for sure and there's just so much research in so many other fields that absolutely apply yeah you know one way to think about it is that you know, just because athletes walk into a clubhouse doesn't mean that the dynamics of human nature stop at the door. Yeah, right. You know, it, right. it's 
you know, you put any group together and there are, you know, the same dynamics. You know, we affect each other the way we affect each other. And so that's proven. <laughs> so why would it be any different in a clubhouse? So it's really about how does that, that human nature, how our brains function, how is it, how is it played out right. in a clubhouse? But it's exactly the same dynamics that we know from evolutionary biology. I mean, you know, three million years of evolution, you know, has, has um, shown, you know, our brains have grown, mm-hmm. right, over three million years. And it's mostly social wiring more than intellectual wiring. Right. So it's, you know, so it's all about how we bond and how that kind of bonding and commitment to each other elevates performance. Right. And, of course, that's team chemistry's only function is to elevate performance. And if your performance doesn't improve, not that you're necessarily going to win, it just means your performance improves. You know, I mean, team chemistry can't manufacture talent. But your performance should still improve if you have team chemistry because team chemistry is active. It's not camaraderie. It's not cohesion. Right, right. It's active, and its only function is to to elevate performance. I love that. read and reread some parts of the book and and uh just it's so fascinating to me i um i've been around so many teams and i've never really um you know been able to answer that for myself i've always thought it's this is such an odd because every group seems odd you know because there's so many different types of people yeah and um you know i just uh I almost read it to, to your book to tr- to try and decide what I think. <laughs> yeah. So I love that you sort that, of. That's, that's the, exactly how you should read it. Yeah, the idea that that there's this there's scientific proof of this is how this all kind of comes together, and I just find that so mm-hmm. exciting, you know. Um, it is, and, isn't it? I mean, yeah. there's few things more fascinating because we learn so much about ourselves. Yeah. When we really look at what's going on in that clubhouse, and then, you know, when you're in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. you know, now that you have that information and you look at the archetypes, you know, and I, I ask so many players to, you know, are these archetypes, um, you know, d- does it sound right? Did you have that? Like, oh, yeah, so-and-so was this. So-and-so was the warrior. So-and-so was the sage. Yeah, the right. was, you know? And, you know, whether it was basketball or, or baseball, football, any, you know, they all could name. Yeah. Those archetypes. And 